millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, welcome to Horse Hour. I'm Amy Frost. Our guest today is Harriet Morris Bomber. Harriet's an inventor. She's represented Great Britain on several occasions, and she's won Team Bronze at the CIC two-star European Championships. On top of her competing, Harriet's a coach, so not only does she share her journey, but she gives us some advice on what to look for if you're looking for an eventing coach. And to add to that, she's on her huge journey, and that is to the Paris Olympics in 2024. Harriet's going to share her experience so far, along with some advice on the Horse Hour podcast. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. My lovely guest today is Harriet Morris Bomber. In 2005, Harriet represented Great Britain in the junior CCI One Star in Ireland, where she finished 11th. She was young in those days. She only started riding at 11, but the year after, she finished 6th individually. Move on to 2009, Harriet completed her first three-star at Bramham International and won Team Bronze at the CIC Two-Star European Championships in Hungary. Then, in 2015, she was voted runner-up in the KBIS Instructor of the Year. Harriet, how are you? I'm really well, thank you. I'm really well. This is so exciting. Already, you've had a really eventful career. And may I ask how young you are? Yeah, I'm 28. Yeah, so you kind of put us to shame a little bit, really, don't you? Uh, (laughs) Oh, I'm not sure about that. I mean, if, if, if I heard, if someone said to me, right, I need you to focus on this amazing, huge, biggest, one of the biggest events in the whole world in 2020, it's the Tokyo Olympic Games, I'd say you're crazy because one, it's so far ahead. How can you even think about planning for that? Well, I suppose you have to you have to plan far ahead because then you have to work backwards and see what you need to be doing right now in order to start the process um, to get there so everything um, everything's about planning ahead and then working backwards from that to make sure you're on target oh well that makes sense yeah I can see that but it still feels yeah. like a long way away doesn't it so when you're have you been dreaming of this since you first started riding at 11 oh absolutely well yeah no I've been riding since I was probably four um, and I first started eventing when I was 11 which actually now um, you're actually not allowed to do that now it's against the rules you have to be I think 14 before you're allowed <laughs> to compete uh, so they've changed the rules <laughs> I'm not surprised your mum either she you know she had this all this hope and faith in you 
or she was just crazy and went, yeah, like the, I remember the old days, you know, they'd just say, come on, on you get, get on with it, you'll be fine. You fall off, you get back on. And I kind of, I miss a little bit of that now in our children because we do protect them a lot. But would you let your 11-year-old, if you had an 11-year-old, would you let them go eventing now? No, no, I look at it, no. I look at the Pony Club kids that are 11 that I teach and think, holy moly, what was mum thinking? <laughs> But isn't it great? Because it means that you've achieved so much so young. Oh, yeah. No, I think um, I think it's fantastic. And I've never, ever wanted to do anything else. Um, from being four, when I first went to school, I thought it was bizarre that nobody else had horses at the bottom of the garden and nobody else wanted <laughs> to ride. And um, so this is all what I've wanted to do for the, in my whole life. has been um, focused on the horses and competing and, and, and eventing, I suppose. So... Um, so yes, it's, it's it's an all-consuming passion, really, that uh, that's, that takes over. It is. I say this a lot. It's in our blood. We're addicted to it. It's like yeah. a drug addiction, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but a healthy one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Quite often, when you go through your teenage years, you get to 15, and some people veer off away from horses mm. um, because they go, yeah. that, you know, there's boys and there's life and, yeah. you know, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Did you find, how yeah. did you find that stage in your life? A lot of a lot of my um, friends at school were like, "Why aren't you coming out this weekend? Why aren't you doing this?" And it's quite simple. I, I don't want to, um, and I want to do, to do the horses, and I want to compete, and that's that's what I want. It was quite easy for me because I wanted to do the horses. It wasn't like someone was twisting my arm to do it. Um, a lot of the people that I competed with at that age were very serious as well, so they've gone on to. Um, to, to do big and exciting things and I certainly didn't want to feel like I was a step behind them I wanted to be you know better than them so so it's quite easy for me because that's that is what I wanted to do I suppose if you if you had a bit of doubt or you were doing it because you sort of felt you needed to that would be the time when um when other things would take priorities but but there was only one priority mm. in my life and that was horses <laughs> and competing because even that's interesting in itself because you know not many six 15 16 year olds have that much drive to know that not only do they want to have horses and ride every weekend and enjoy it they also want to professionally compete yeah but then again you see uh, from being 12 I've competed with the best in the country for the top four five six spots so when you're around people like that all the time week in week out and they maybe do better than you one weekend and then you might do a bit better than them the next weekend that in itself drives you to be to stay with them um mm. so yes okay the average 15 16 year old maybe hasn't got that sort of um but when you're with the elite they're all like that Mm. so you're not you're not different you're the same so it definitely makes a difference than how you're nurtured and and your surroundings yeah. and the support that you absolutely. have absolutely yeah and i'm sure it's the same in tennis or football if you're spotted at a young age and you're around the the best in your age category then i'm sure everybody is just as driven and just as focused you're not the abnormal one you'd be abnormal if you were lazy and late to training and not putting in the hours you'd be the abnormal one and doesn't that give you so much, you know, the, the, the responsibility and it teaches you so much as a youngster, doesn't it? Yeah, you can take absolutely. Two. Yeah, and that, that's what mum always said. Um, I think that's how she justified it to dad, spending all the money and time. <laughs> she said it's life skills, we're investing in life skills. <laughs> 
Well, you certainly don't learn that at school. I know we talk a lot about mucking it no, out. No, <laughs> But, they, you know, they don't teach no. you how to pay bills. They don't teach you how to no. get up at five o'clock in the morning and your work they ethic and how to no, negotiate exactly. and sell. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. And how to deal with people and difficult situations and how to get through adversity. Yeah, exactly. All of that is uh, is not applicable in a classroom. <laughs> so your mum then, how involved is she? Did, is she an equestrian... Does she own horses? Yeah, she she comp she competed a little bit, and that's how I got into the eventing. She uh, had a horse and competed as a hobby. Um, she's actually a financial advisor, so um, ironically, she's <laughs> she's got a daughter that <laughs> probably makes the worst decisions and spends money on things that you know could could die tomorrow. But um, <laughs> but in her professional life, she's advising people to be very safe and, sit and sensible with their money. And then if I say I think there's this horse I want to buy, yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she's very involved when we're competing and on a day-to-day -day basis she's obviously working but we all, we all mum and dad both work at, at home here and I obviously have the yard at home so we're all here but we run our separate businesses and then at a weekend when we're competing um, or I do a lot of teaching then, then they are involved and certainly in the decision making of buying horses, selling horses, um, if I have uh, situations I need to chat through, they're, they're very, very involved. And what's your dad like then? Does he run his own business? Yes, he does. Yeah, um, he's very good on the maths, in which I am not. So if there's a maths problem or um, like how expensive it is out, and what the VAT yeah. is on it, then you're just like dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dad, please do this. <laughs> yeah. So what what is his business? I guess it's not equestrian. It's in the racing industry actually so it's sort of equestrian based yeah okay so that's good because you've got two people that understand your sport understand the passion and and the enthusiasm and the dedication that it takes and absolutely also brave enough to say there you go Harriet off you go come on you've got to pick yourself up to give you that independence to really be successful yes absolutely yeah yeah, oh, definitely. Can, they, and, can uh, I come and live with you, so, please? Oh, yeah, it's cool, yeah. <laughs> it's very cool. <laughs> I often say we should have cameras here. There's stuff that goes on, the shenanigans that go on here. <laughs> no, you'd make good, like, like Gogglebox. Yes, Gogglebox, or like, um, you know, the Osbournes on Channel 4 or something. You know, like, yeah, we'd make great with compulsive viewing. We should definitely do that, Gogglebox at Harriet's. That would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, now you've built up this amazing property, um, amazing facility that I was looking at photos because I'm a little bit stalkerish and um, and I wanted to see okay. your horses and you know I like yes, to get a little, yeah. know a little bit about my guests before they come onto the podcast yeah and oh my goodness you're in Yorkshire in this beautiful place called Granary Hill with the just the most phenomenal facilities so can you explain to us yeah. how how you built this home for your horses so I think we moved here just, just under 20 years ago and it was a sort of a derelict farm and um, originally we lived in the farmhouse and then uh, the horses were stabled in the barn and now, and then we sold the farmhouse and now we live in the barn and we've built new stables um, and originally it was just mum with a horse and me with a pony and now it's all consuming, <laughs> there's 22 boxes outside um, an arena with floodlights, cross-country facilities, great hacking, 12 acres of, you know, great post and rail fields, sandy lands, there's no mud. Oh, amazing. Um, 
yeah, it's brilliant. And like we've been cross country this morning, and a lady said, um, you know, are you sure, are you sure the field's not too wet, and it's just it's perfect. We can go all winter on the field, um, so it's fantastic. And we keep adding to it and improving it. And I have big plans for a big water complex. That's my next project. That would be awesome. What where people can bring their horses mm. down to you and have a go in the water. Yes, so um, we've got pretty much everything else in the cross-country course. We've got ditches and, and steps and banks and things, but no no water jump, so that would be the next Oh, you're talking about a jump. You're not talking about like, yeah. exercising, you know, with the machine where they no. stand on the treadmill. No, you're talking about, no. about, oh my gosh, get a yes. lake. Can you just dig a lake? And then you can go swimming with your well, horses. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think we've got room for a lake, but we've certainly got... Um, there's quite a lot of streams and, and water courses around, so we can um, we can sort of tap into those, hopefully. Mm. So um, uh, uh, amateur poor people like me that have nothing... Um, yeah, have... I'm poor as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have no money. <laughs> all, all equestrians are, I think, because we spend... I, yes, I, I often say I choose yep. beans on toast and to feed my horse sometimes rather yeah, than, you know, yeah, never yeah. buy anything for yeah. me. So um, basically, yeah. there's I've always wanted to go swimming with my horse and I know that you can go down to the beach and the sea and you know for people that are amazing at riding that's super cool because they can jump the waves yeah for people like me we wouldn't even get anywhere near the water so um there's Uh. there's a man down the road that owns a lake and normally you can go water skiing on it in the summer so I thought well in the winter it's not being used so I gave him 20 quid and he let us go swimming in the lake Oh wow! Okay, how cool is that? So that's the next. Interesting. That's the. Ne- it was so good. That why is that dangerous? Uh, um, I don't know. I wouldn't fancy taking my beast swimming. But if they swam off without me, I'd get left behind. No, you're on them. I was on him. Oh, I'm not sure about that. I'll stick to riding in the arena. I think. <laughs> No, Harriet, you've got to do it. Put it on the bucket list. It's the most phenomenal experience. There's a place down in oh. Cornwall where you can go, where they take you swimming with the horses. Have you actually never swum with horses? No, but I tell you, um, Sultan, who I did Bramham on, um, he was born in, uh, on this farm in Portugal where they sort of breed all the horses and it's very, very rural. And there's seven brothers. Um, uh, so and none of the girls in Portugal ride. All this, only the boys that ride. And the boys swim, swim out. So with the horses, they're all sort of feral and free range. And this, they live on an estuary. And the horses, the mares, when they're about to have their foals, swim out to the island in the middle of the estuary. And the boys swim with them. And then when the foals are a few days old, they swim back. And then I've seen the photos of them as a big herd. Seven brothers and like 25 horses all swimming across this. It's, it's, it's very sort of... Uh, yeah, it's very amazing. It's yeah. magical, isn't it? Magical, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I was shocked. The first time I went swimming with horses, I was shocked at how quickly they pick it up. It's like a dog, you know, a dog on doggy paddle. They just pick it up really mm. easily. And and yeah. I felt like the Loch Ness Monster because you kind of go up, <laughs> <laughs> you go up and down and up and down in this really slow yeah. motion kind of way. Um, and it's yeah. almost like what I imagine sitting trot to be like in like, 
you know, minus 15 slow motion. It's really amazing. <laughs> highly, highly recommend if you get a chance, take them down there because it's really good exercise for them as well. Or you can come down to my local guy down the road, give him 20 quid and you can have a go down here. Enough, <laughs> enough about me. Tell me, I'd love to know more about you, Harriet. Um, you know, you, you, so far you've had a phenomenal career. It, it can't all have been easy though. There must have been some times oh, that have been tough. Oh, not at all. Yeah, there's been very hard times. Um, when, when I've been really, really close to being on the team um, and I've, I think I was first reserve a couple of years and then I was third reserve one year and then and then that you know when you're very very close you're so close but not quite you know and everybody else has got their bloody union jacks plastered all over them and everybody else is going off and and you're not because you're just stuck at home because you're first reserve you like nearly try again next time honey <laughs> so that's tough um and um and when you selected yeah, once but so, one of your horses was poorly yes so i was selected um in 2006 after i'd been to switzerland and got placed in switzerland i was then selected for the uh the actual european championships and then my horse went lame so that was the end of that journey um uh, and I had a horse on the list for London Olympics. Um, so that was quite amazing. Obviously, it was quite a long list uh, because there were lots of people that they were had in their sights. Mm. They had a pathway program where they were looking at, uh, they were doing the thing where they look back and see four years before Sydney, what were those people doing? And four years before Athens, what were those people doing? And they did that for London. So they said, okay, London's four years away. Where are those people now that in four years could could be peaking at the right time? Mm -hmm. So it was about, it, I was on that pathway program for about two of the four years and then my horse got an injury. So that oh, was the end no. of that. Uh, but it was a fun experience, massive, uh, massive learning curve and a huge, massive experience to be part of and a huge privilege. So, um, yeah, and then in the last couple of years, I've been very short on horsepower. I've bought some horses that haven't worked out. Um, I've had horses that through no fault of their own just really haven't got what it takes. And that's been very tough when you have a cumulative sort of one horse doesn't make it, then the next one doesn't make it, and the next one. And when you get to sort of horse four, and you think, really, should I be? Am I? Is someone trying to tell me something? Should I really not be doing this? <laughs> and that's very tough to keep going through the adversity when it's when it's sort of brick wall after brick wall. But then um, I've got through all of that. I've put together my uh, syndicate, and they've bought some fantastic horses for me. And now it's you know, it's all eyes forward again now. How do you get through that tough time? You know, we all have times in business where we think we want to chuck it all in, really, and say, well, why am I carrying on with this? How did you mentally get through that? Um, well, I didn't know what else I wanted to do. <laughs> there was nothing else I wanted to do. And um, I, I actually went and interviewed for William Fox Pitt for a job there because I thought if I have no horses here and... Um, you know, I was, and I sort of inter I interviewed with him, and then I realised, uh, and I went through a few different interviews with different yards, and I realised actually what I was giving up at home, and all I needed was a few few horses, mm -hmm. and there were plenty of people that were saying, oh Harriet, you know, it'd be such a shame if you if you weren't in Yorkshire, and oh we'd really miss you, and what would we where would we go for our lessons? And I was like, mm. so I realised that actually so many people were, were supportive. Mm -hmm. Uh, when, when it feels like the world's against you, actually, I realised the support I did have, and a lot of those people have now come on board with the syndicate and are now 
financially and physically and mentally and everything they're really they're, they are part of the team they're supporting me in every way so um so I suppose you've got to just see what you have got rather than what you haven't got that's really lovely and nice that they did put their money where their mouth is when they, you know they said that they'd support you and they actually are um and sometimes yes. you need yes. you just everyone needs a little bit of a boost sometimes just a bit of a confidence to say no you are doing really well just keep going you will get there you'll be okay yes exactly just keep going yeah, yeah. that's right I think I think it is that just just keep going yeah because we've got no choice <laughs> Yes, I I wasn't born to be a stockbroker. (laughs) So how do you plan then for Tokyo 2020? Is it, are you, are you in the sights of the selectors? Um, No, is the simple answer to that? (laughs) No, and in fairness, when I, when I put everything together and and Tokyo was the target, I was probably looking at buying horses that were much further on than than what I actually ended up with. Um, So I was looking for a horse that was probably near enough already, already that two star or three star mm. and we ended up buying horses that had never evented before so so although yeah that was the aim we're probably we're probably too far off the pace now in terms of the horses experience um so we're probably looking more towards paris 2024 which is six years which is far more achievable um and i've got three horses now and literally we've just just bought another one to add to the syndicate so with three horses you you would hope that of of the three you know one at least might come through to to go to that level Mm. and if the others don't they could be they could be sort of upcycled and replaced with a with something else um so um how do I plan? Well, I suppose the first thing you've got to do is get qualified. You've got to get qualified back, be competitive at three-star level mm. and four-star. So that in itself is going to be a journey. And um, and then, so yeah, there is a long way to go. There's no two ways about it. But you've got to aim for something. You've got to have some aim. And along the way, there will be other exciting teams, like the two-star team that I did in 2009, the CIC two star team that that again that's that is a very very realistic option in the next couple of years that will be and that will be a stepping stone on the way to to say Paris or or something like that. Well, you won Team Bronze at the and that was the European yes. Championships, which is incredible. Yes. But don't you have different horses now from when you had in two thousand nine? So will it be a, a whole yes. different ball yes. game altogether? Yes, it will totally be. And on these horses that I've got now are unproven whereas all the horses I've ridden in the past have had previous experience and it was just a partnership that was new whereas the it will be for me the first time that I will have taken horses from the beginning all the way through the journey which will be really exciting for me rather than me sort of taking over from somebody else I get get to do the whole put the whole you know mm. from the from the very first pencil lines I get to put everything on not just the color on the canvas at the end <laughs> Oh, but that's so lovely. I guess you've learned from the experience of riding the other horses that have done a little bit before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, massively. And and how has that helped you? Um, well, I know what it is that we're looking for. I know what a really, really good horse feels like, how they perform, their strengths and weaknesses, and what, what can be, what weaknesses can be worked on and what weaknesses just physically will um will stop them performing so that's really exciting i know what we're looking for i know that the ingredients that it takes um 
so and have, having ridden at that level, I know what's expected of me. I know the performance level that's expected, the pressure mentally, emotionally, everything. Mm. I know what's I know what's coming. How do you deal with that pressure when you're trying to run a business at the same time, though? I mean, it's hard enough doing one, let alone uh, both. I don't really know because <laughs> well, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. I love it. Aww. So it's not. Uh, it's not. It's not. As, it's not stressful particularly because although it might be pressure, it's something you want to do. It's something mm. that you really enjoy doing. You're passionate about. So it's not a stressful. Um, it's not a negative stress. It's a, it's you know, passion, excitement, pressure. It's a kick up the bum stress. It keeps you, you know, makes you gives you a target. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you're a coach, because you're a coach as well. Um, yeah. Does that help you then with your own career? And I know that sounds like a really crazy question, but in any industry, if you want to be really good and the best, you've got to stay educated. You have to um, mm. be looking at your own performance as well. So. I'm wondering if the if the people that you teach give you a push as well to make sure that you're always there ahead of the game. <laughs> no, well, <laughs> it does. When I turn up to a competition and they're there as well, I think bloody hell, Harry, but where are you getting? You can't, don't look like a muppet today. You've got to practice what you preach. Um, so yes, I suppose because I'm constantly analysing them and how to help them and how they're riding, it does make me want to because I video everything for lessons, competitions, sometimes uh, riding at home. I video everything. So it does give me the ability to critique myself as I do other people. And your eye gets trained to just try and work out. Obviously, in real time, when you're watching it with your eyes on the ground, in real time, it's actually quite hard. It's harder when you watch a video. You can repeat it, repeat it, stop it, pause it and all of that. So um, it's actually harder to, to help and critique and fix things in real time than it is in when I'm watching the video of myself. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST 
and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. True. Do you think do you think you could be an instructor without being able to ride at that level? No. That's a tricky one, isn't no. it? Because no, okay, not at all. I've you know, it's been two years now I've been doing this podcast and I've learned a lot from so many guests like yourself. And I look at riders and I think oh, well, if you could just tweak this and you could just tweak that. And I thought maybe I could be an instructor, yep. but there's absolutely no way I could ride at that level myself. <laughs> well, I think I think you definitely develop an eye. Mum uh, mum and dad from watching all the years of watching lessons, watching uh, me ride, you develop, you can see things. Definitely, I'm not saying you can't see things from the floor, but to then know how to change it and what to change and, and then what to do to fix it, that that comes from experience. Well, so, you'll be pleased uh, to know I won't be an instructor or a coach because I know that I'd be a pretty rubbish one. Um, but I guess my point, my point is that, um, you know, I'd have loads of empathy and I'd end up saying, oh, give the horse a break now. He's worked really hard. <laughs> um, but I guess my point is um, uh, coaches are, I'm quite passionate about coaches and I'm quite, and I'm really passionate yep. on qualified coaches um, yep. that enhance their own education constantly going back and getting retrained and learning new things yeah. and and the way that the industry changes and, and oh you better not talk to me then I haven't got one qualification to my name <laughs> really no that's really interesting no. what nothing yeah. nothing no so no. um okay what well, not, you're not... <laughs> no, I don't know how you deal with that <laughs> no 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 that's really interesting to know because finally you can give me the other view because I'm only going on people that are going to shoddy instructors that are not insured, not qualified, don't know what they're doing, yeah. don't have any experience. And mm. from from an outsider, I look at that and say, well, there are these youngsters and adults as well, you know, in the horse industry the first time that are being put at risk. Um, yeah. You know, they're being put in with horses. There's five horses in there at the same time. They're not being partnered with the right horse. And it, to me, yeah. it just is like health and safety nightmare and, and dangerous situation for kids. But also it's not giving them a good basis to start their equestrian so life that, with. That's in a riding school situation, which is quite different. Um, and if you're teaching somebody to ride and you are providing them with a horse as well, I totally agree. There needs to be some structure to that. But when um, when I see people teach that aren't qualified in terms of because they've just competed themselves, they're almost more qualified than someone that's learned it in a book. Um, it frustrates me a lot at grassroots levels. I see a lot of instructors or I don't even call them coaches because they're not. They're just instructors that have learned it in a book, have passed a load of exams, call themselves this, that and the other. And they haven't got a clue. They've never competed to any any sort of level. And, and I think they're dangerous because they're teaching children, particularly, oh, I, won't, I won't specify, um, <laughs> but they're teaching that they are it's sometimes I use the analogy that they are strapping the kid into the front seat of the car without a seatbelt on it's that it's that dangerous what they're mm. telling children to do and adults you know there's adults there's people that come to me for lessons that have had terrible falls because of poor instruction that they've been given mm. based on what it says in a book or how they've been taught to teach as opposed to actual experience 
So maybe then the key is a bit of both, some experience along Definitely. with, you know, the, the, the theory and the education uh, as well. Um, I am interested to know, though, if, if there's no law that says that you have to mm. be qualified there, you know, you've only mm. really got the BHS accredited, you can be a BHS accredited coach. And is there even that at your level? Yeah, so there's actually more. There's the UKCC qualifications now. Um, so you, so there, is, there is the BHS thing, um, but also there is a discipline-specific coaching system for dressage, show jumping, eventing, and it's the UK uh, coaching certificate, uh, UKCC. And I think that is that is is replacing the old BHS system. Mm-hmm. It's much more of a coach rather than you're trying to teach someone to ride it's like you say about coaching and trying to get the best out of people and goal setting and much more of an all-round strategy and then there's also the British eventing accredited coaching thing as well so so there are there are other options than than just the BHS so so yeah and that is something that I am looking at doing I I missed the slot um, in January there was another there was like an intake for the the UKCC thing and I missed the the slot on that one then when it comes around again in January this time I will I will sort of join in but as far as I see it it, it's a paper exercise to Mm. uh, to tick a box to say that you are because I feel like uh, when you asked me then and I said well I haven't got anything I feel like I should have something to on paper to back up what I'm what I'm doing do you know I don't so. think it's for you Harriet if I'm honest I mean your experience speaks for itself um in the hairdressing world if you've been a hairdresser for 30 years you're a master stylist you know there's yeah. nothing to say there's no qualification that goes with that it's a it's a reward for for the the experience and the time that you've put into the industry and yeah I think there should be the the same level of that almost like an honorary degree you know um, yes yeah, yeah it's it's this is your experience this is what you've brought to the industry um th- th- this is your life and um 2005 great britain 2009 bramham team bronze european championships you know 2015 instructor of the year runner-up all those things show that you sh- that's your qualification um but yeah. for people so I I don't judge you at all for not having qualifications because I'd think, well, why should you? You've got, why would you? When when are you going to have time to go and sit and do theory lessons? You've been out competing yeah. and training horses. But there's two questions that I have. Um, the first yeah. is for people that are looking for instructors, the quali- yeah. we need to have we need to have something to save these people and help them so we need some sort of some sort of regulations mm. so if yep. somebody could give you i'll make up a horse hour one as long as everyone sticks to it and it's regulated yeah. it's fine <laughs> but you know that's yeah. an honorary coaching certificate to say that technically you are qualified but not everybody's yes. going to be able to go to you, Harriet. Some people are going to go to local coaches that don't have any quality, that say, yeah. oh, I rode it, da, 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 and I did this. But but it's not enough for that coaching certificate. They're, they need they need qualifications to back it up. So I guess the qualifications yeah. are to protect those, those people. Um, also to protect you, my second question is, how do you get insured for it like if there's no qualification to go with it how can you be insured um i am insured i'm insured with shearwater as a freelance instructor um and they insure me to teach here and at other venues 
Um, and they say if I wanted to get on a horse um, and, and demonstrate, then I'm insured to do that. And as long as I don't exceed, I think it's however many hours per week, that's absolutely fine. And they know that I haven't got any qualifications and, and they're happy with that. But they have your experience. I guess so. They, they, they didn't ask me what I'd done. <laughs> really? No, no, no. So you can get insurance as a freelance. You can. Are they, do they sponsor you? No. So, no, this is key. You know, I don't want you to feel that I'm hounding you with questions. It's because I'm so yeah. fascinated with it. So we just clear yes. it up. They're not a sponsor. They just, you just phone no. them up and you've got phone ransom deals and you that's who you got. You've got Shearwater to yeah. insure you. They didn't ask yeah. for any qualifications. They didn't ask for your history. No. So I've been blabbing on for ages saying, you know, you should have an instructor that's insured. Because technically yeah. you should. I think every yeah, should to protect yeah. themselves as well. Yeah, but that's yeah. not enough to show that you're good enough to be doing that job. No, but but I say I I don't I don't know who these people are that are teaching that haven't got qualifications that haven't got insurance that are doing this terrible job because I see plenty of people that have got qualifications that are so terrible. You know, I want to go over and say something to them. So, to me, I don't see that as the problem. I do not see the fact that they haven't got qualifications as the problem because plenty of people with all the certificates under the sun that definitely should not be teaching people. So, how do we stop it? I've no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I've no idea. Oh, it's hard, isn't it? I guess as a as a as a wannabe rider, we've just got to look at all our options in our local area and go on recommendations. And if if you had a student, because, you know, you could, I, I really don't want to hound you. You know, I, I hope you're not no, offended fine. in any way, are you, Harry? No, no, no. Oh, okay, No, not at all. No, no. Um, if, if uh, what would you expect customers to look, ask of you when, when they look at you being their coach? Uh, I've no idea and that is a very good question because I'm, at the moment I'm trying to work out how I'm going to rank higher on Google so <laughs> so that's a good question. Um, I don't mean just you you know it's not not you personally I guess but as a coach because I, mm. I try to give I try and give tips of what people should yeah, look yeah. for in their coach but I can only say that from a um, equestrian's point of view I can't say it from a coach's yep. point of view so I need to make yep. sure that what I say has both sides. So I'm keen mm. to hear from a coach's perspective what you would well, say to potential students. I suppose I would say if you've got a good coach if they are happy to explain why. And if you say, well, why is that? Or if someone says, well, I don't understand. If they can't back that up and they can't explain themselves, then they clearly don't know what they're they've just heard the phrase and they're trotting it out again or or if they just do exercise after exercise with no relevance behind it and how does that apply to your horse I suppose I I don't know if that's quite what you're asking yeah no it's brilliant any advice is great because one of the hardest things I think is finding the right coach for you um and someone that can support you in your journey and you're like counsellors to us aren't you really Absolutely. I feel like that sometimes. I think that is a really, really good question. I've never thought about it. You know, how do you find a good coach? And I think that's uh, that could be a, an article somewhere. That could be a blog post, couldn't it? Mm-hmm. How, do you, how to find a good coach. Well, this is what I'm on the mission for, is to find mm. some sort of guide as to how you find mm. a good coach. A guide for, for, for wannabe students. And
and a guide for people that are thinking about being that being a coach as well because yeah you know I, I I maybe it's just my area maybe you guys are really lucky in Yorkshire but where I'm from right now you've got 16 year old kids that are coaching kids and yeah. it's painful mm. to watch and I I'm trying so hard to not just go in there and grab those children out and say what the hell are you doing you cannot coach yeah. because one you have no experience and you've got no qualifications and you're not insured and and the scary thing is I'm seeing this so much but then on what yeah. you're saying as well I also know riders I also I've also seen instructors um who have worked at some amazing places and oh my god they're shocking <laughs> literally again painful to watch and and I feel as somebody who's not a coach I shouldn't be saying this I shouldn't be judging but I'm not judging I'm just worrying about the students yeah and I think you you know um you're an observer and you have your own experience to draw on and if you think that the situation is not is not correct then um then yeah and I think there is a, a lack of um there's a lack of real useful structure in the terms of who can teach and who can who can advise and things like that I think there should be some sort of hierarchy so okay anybody could be a certain level and they call themselves an instructor but and a bit like with the BHS is that the fellowship of the BHS and to be a fellow you have to be like seriously you know amazing which I agree with all the fellows of the BHF are fantastic, but then you go down the rankings and I think the system falls apart. So I don't know. I think there should be some sort of competency and in, in, in terms of what you can actually do when you, when you do ride. Um, but then again, some of the really, really good riders can't teach because it's so natural to them. It's so instinctive to them that they don't know what they're doing. They're doing everything subconsciously. Uh, where some of the very best coaches are riders that are having to work to be as good as everybody else. Mm. So they're having to think through, they're having to process all the, the things that they're doing. They're literally processing the processes that they go through. Then they can repeat that to somebody else. Uh, whereas some of them, they, they literally they do seven million different things at once and they don't realise they've done it, so they can't break it down. Can you teach that though? Can you, or is that, does that just come with riding and experience? teach that yes because anything is um is is practiced um yes okay some people are born more practiced than others because it's more instinctive to them but yeah if you practice something i truly truly believe there's a, a book by matthew saeed called bounce and he starts talking about um the uh, world's best uh, table tennis players and there were quite a lot of them were from this small town somewhere I can't remember and it was because they had access to practicing they were playing against each other they were playing against the best because they were practicing against the best therefore they become better more access and it was all about basically the more you practice the better you become so yeah and there's this this sort of um you know, you, you're consciously aware of doing something, then you're consciously aware that you're not doing it correctly, mm. then you're consciously aware that you're doing it correctly, and then it becomes subconscious. So, uh, yes, there's, there's, I'm massively into my sports psychology and all of that. So, that's I amazing. Oh, about no, I that. love it because I'm constantly I'm thinking now, right? Well, I know exactly what I do. I'm sat there riding, I'm going right, head up, shoulders back, legs, hand, missed it, yeah. right again, head up, <laughs> leg, no, wrong yeah. leg, right leg, <laughs> and it's not quick yeah. enough. But no, that's amazing. So what was his book called? It's Matthew Said. And it's called Bounce. 
S-Y-E-D, so Saeed, I'm not quite sure, and it's called Bounce. That's really good, and there's a whole load of other books. There's one which is my favourite, I'm reading it at the moment. Um, it's called Will It Make the Boat Go Faster? Um, it's about an Olympic rower. And he talks about, um, I haven't got all the way through the book, so uh, so I don't know the whole thing, but um, he talks about the uh, British rowing. And when you have uh, the other teams were picking their best person and putting their best person in the boat or in the one on their own and the two best in the two. And the British did it differently. They 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 did it the opposite way around to everybody else. And the, basically the worst eight were all went in the boat together or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Um, um, and it's really interesting how they they were the probably the worst eight rowers of of you know, worst eight is, is slight exaggeration but they were the the the, the worst of the best if that made sense mm. but they won Olympic gold because they put in that bit more and they had this phrase will it make the boat go faster so should they go to the opening ceremony at the Olympics will that if they stand on their feet for an extra eight hours or and then get to bed you know three hours later than they should will that make the boat go faster in the morning no they don't do it so I apply that to everything now will uh, will eating that extra pile of you know chocolate make the boat go faster no it won't <laughs> so, so everything like that um, but will the yeah, apple will, will eating the apple make the boat go yeah, faster will absolutely. it it will yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly and, you know will doing another 10 minutes on this horse make the boat go faster well it might because I could repeat this exercise again or no actually in this case it won't make the boat go faster because this horse has run out of petrol or all those you can apply it to everything everything like everything so yeah Will will going for an extra lesson make the boat go faster? Will buying a new set of boots make the boat go faster? Well, it might do. Right, I'm doing it then. <laughs> the boots for us, Wayne, but the boots for the horses will. <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> I was thinking of the horses, obviously. Oh. <laughs> oh, Harriet, yeah. it's been fascinating. Thank you for giving us homework as well. We appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> you're very welcome it's brilliant well listen I wish you the very very best of luck um, for Paris 2024 and actually six years it's not that long away you know I've got a 10 year plan for my horse um, we're, we've, yeah. we've gone behind four years so we're still on the 10 year plan um, yeah. <laughs> so actually six years isn't isn't that far at all and um, no, I'm, there's a lot to be done <laughs> I'm really looking forward to you know watching your journey and following you over the next six years and um, thank you please please let us know let us know if you get on the long list how you do and actually maybe we should catch up next year we should play this back this time next year oh and- god they play it back <laughs> <laughs> and see what's happened and see how your yeah. year's been and if you ever did go swimming with horses um and if yeah, you no, did <laughs> that won't make the boat go faster <laughs> You never know, it might. And we do have to give your sponsors a mention as well. Harriet's sponsored by Yorkshire Pet Portraits. They do beautiful portraits of your horses, your dogs. I've seen these, they're absolutely stunning. So it's Yorkshire Pet Portraits and North Yorkshire Saddles. I love the fact that you're keeping it all at home, Harriet. Um, how can yeah. we, how can we follow you on Twitter and Facebook? Uh, Facebook is HMB Equestrian, and Twitter I think is the same. And I'm on Instagram as well with Harriet Morris Born. But so yeah, on any of those channels, you can on YouTube as well. I have a YouTube channel too. Everything. And you mentioned earlier you do loads of videos, so definitely check those out. Yes. And Harriet, have an amazing Christmas, and we will catch up soon. Thank you very much.
Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. As always, there's a whole bunch of information and education on our website. If you just head to horsehour.co.uk and just to make it more fun before Christmas, you can win a Sport of Kings watch. You actually get a choice of four watches. One is for women and three are for men because, you know, we like to spoil our other halves when we get time. So we thought, well, why not treat them with a little watch? I'm sure you're really going to like these watches. So have a look at our Facebook page. It's at Horse Hour. The competition is also running on Twitter and on our website as well. So lots of opportunities for you to enter and possibly win a nice little present just before Christmas. So that's the Sport of Kings watch. Are you off to Olympia this week? I'm going to be there. I'd love to see you if you're going. Um, If you're the other side of the pond, then I'm really sorry I can't see you there in person. But I will be doing some filming for you so you can still see what's going on at Olympia. Because the FEI dressage is on the Wednesday. We get to see Carl Hester. I think he's doing a demonstration. And um, I'll try and get as much behind the scenes stuff as I can for you. But if you're there, take a photo and tag us in it. At Horse Hour. Hashtag Horse Hour. Because I love to see what your experience experiences are like when you're at events like that and um, there's also some show jumping going on and we'll see some of the top competitors and the driving as well that's always quite exciting so olympia is running all week there's so much going on there and uh, you'll be able to watch some of it live on fei tv and like i said as well as the backstage stuff that, that i'll be doing and the photos too so i hope you've had a good week i hope you're not too cold and suffering from the snow i, I know there's snow in different parts of the country um i've been really lucky i haven't had any yet but the horses are having extra hay and i have a feeling i might be getting some uh, snow tonight so i've r- tuck them up all warm because uh, my horse lives out as you know and at times like this I kind of wish he was stable because I feel so guilty uh, as long as he's got hay and his water isn't frozen over though he'll be okay so stay safe out there if you have any problems as always you can uh, use horse hour on twitter and facebook if you do get stuck and need some hay or need a lift down to the horses or need a tractor to come and pick you up and get your car out whatever it is then uh, the horse hour community are there to help you so at horse hour on facebook instagram and twitter i hope you have a really lovely week with your horse and i will speak to you from olympia on wednesday you've been listening to horse hour join the community on twitter mondays 8 p.m uk time 3 p.m eastern by using the hashtag horse hour follow amy at amy stevenson one and subscribe to us on acast itunes stitcher and player fm Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.